This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Paul. Hello, I'm Marissa. Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm Wayne. And we're going to talk about uh, some notes on a non-entity, or maybe it's H.P. Lovecraft, some notes on a non-entity, a graphic novel by Sam Gafford, uh, illustrated by Jason C. Eckhart. And uh, this is uh, the first read-along podcast of a comic book. And I call it a graphic novel. This is a momentous... It's a momentous occasion as this have audio history. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I've done shows on comics or with comics people before, but not a read-along. The problem with a read-along is you have to get the book into people's hands, so um, as a kind of celebration of my mortgage completion, I... Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, Yay! it looks like it's pretty finished now, I think. Uh, I have a few little things left to do, but it's, it's pretty close to being done. I, I sent you guys each our... Mr. Jim Moon, I guess you got your own uh, copy of this. Um, I heard about it, and I heard about it way after it came out. This came out in the spring, I think, of 2017. And I've had Sam Gafford. It's it's not actually uh, technically a comic book. It's a hardcover uh, graphic novel. Yeah, so I I say graphic novel because that's what they call these things. Because it was never released in floppies. But... Uh, I also find that incredibly pretentious, <laughs> that <laughs> phrase, um, because these are the things they study in university now, right? M- Mouse, M-A-U-S, is a graphic novel, and uh, maybe somebody tries to study, I don't know, Watchmen or something. It's a graphic novel. Well, fuck you. It's a comic book. <laughs> comic books were always good. You don't need to change the name so that they're acceptable for the elites because this is uh i found this super readable what did you guys think yeah so good i loved yeah, it i did i did too it was uh, it was reminiscent i think the art is great very oh, yeah. dense uh and it 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 leads you uh leads you to to all sorts of places right there with this little tiny things in the background that mm-hmm. i had to stop and look up and just really cool it's not something you sit down and like blow through like a comic book it uh, you know you can take your time with this. It's dense. It's rich. Well, it's it's because there's so. What's so interesting is I I think you know this is super heavily researched. Obviously, uh, you know Sam Gafford is super um, familiar with Lovecraft himself, um, and then the artist brings so much to. I, I mean, unless it's all scripted, like you know his face will be turned to the left here. <laughs> like I don't think that's how it works exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I, but um. Uh, the father, you guys notice uh, Lovecraft's father, how he appears? Yeah, with that mask. Yeah. 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 What does it mean? What does it mean? He's got. I a, don't know. Did anyone ever have, have thoughts about that issue? I was going to ask you guys. The plague doctor mask. Is that what it's supposed to be? Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah. Yeah, because the nose. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's I, also I like uh, that, Venetian that, mask mask as well. Yeah. That yeah. long nose. Mm. Yeah, that that kind of. Uh, made me curious as well there's a i was reading reviews of the book online on amazon mm-hmm. and it, it there was a a little uh kind of criticism of it in saying that uh the author did not uh go into any specific detail about um lovecraft's father's uh, demise mm-hmm. and i'm like what does that mean was did he die in an insane asylum or something mm-hmm. or was he a uh, yeah yeah okay, so um, you know, maybe that's it. It's kind of an oblique reference to uh, his his mental malady. It's, it's, it's the bottom of page five. He died five years later of general paralysis. Neither my mother nor I visited him during his confinement. And that, and that's all caps, is all I care to say about the matter. Ah, and so notice on the ground there, the broken mask. The broken mask. Hmm. Yeah, the, 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 the first person sort of autobiography autobiographical viewpoint does does mean that we get Lovecraft's point of view mostly, although every so often we get one of the characters in his life, especially, especially his uh, wife actually coming forth and talking about him, but mostly it's from 
it's out of Lovecraft's own head. Mm-hmm. And that colors that colors what we see and what he says about things like, say, his father. Now, most of us uh, here, uh, except, I don't think, Wayne, you were on it, but we did a uh, read-along on the Lovecraft biography, a new one that came out recently. Um, and we learned a hell of a lot about his childhood. Um, this, I like how it concentrates on all parts of his life, not just his childhood as much. And um, and is less, it also goes into the poetry, which I really like. And more and more and more importantly, um, talks about the stories, which, uh, you know, is what he's most famous for. Not just being a guy who lived and died and, you know, had opinions, but uh, this has got great illustrations for each of the stories. And you can... S- see how when they're presented in chronological order you can almost see you know why one year he's just like so racist (laughs) one year in new york where he he can't he has no friends yet he's he spends all his time um looking for work and people fire him everyone around him is employed his wife's employed she's making a huge salary and he's not in his his element and then, right, and then he gets robbed. Oh yeah, yeah. He he really had a terrible time in New York. Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't on that show for the childhood of Lovecraft, and I only knew the bare sketches of his life. So this, so this uh, graphic novel, comic book, whatever you want to call it, really gave me some insight into 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 his life beyond his stories. I mean, I love the illustrations. For each story, gets a big illustration. Mm-hmm. And sometimes some little extra ones, but I did appreciate learning more about who he really was and and the people around him. I felt I really felt bad for his wife. I really did. I mean, she, she looks like a He's, like she tried to I feel connect bad with for him, his friends too. Like they're all trying to help him. <laughs> He's like, no, I won't do this. No, I can't do that. And, <laughs> and uh, at the end of this book. I was reading it last, late last night. I was worried I wasn't going to get it done, so I made sure, you know, no computer games, Jesse, get that work done. Um, and I turned the last page, and I'm like, why are my eyes all painful? Oh, I'm sad. I was, like, tearing up. It was, like, yeah. oh, God. really yes, moving, last, right? That, that last, last panel? Mm. That last panel. Howard died this morning. Nothing to do. Thanks, Annie. Ow! And then you yeah. have him alone standing on the stage. Oh, yeah. God. It's, it's I think moving. It's, it's also because of how it's written from his perspective. Like, I think it's the first time I've, you know, I've, I knew a lot of this stuff about his life, but it's the first time it's I've seen it really told These are a from lot his of his words. Yeah, and I, I was really, like, emotionally invested in his story and his journey. And, you know, so when it just ended on that, that last panel, it did feel so sad. And, uh, he was so human in this. Yeah, and his, you know, testimony of his friends that shows up in here, where you know they say, "I never saw him, you know, say an unkind word to anyone," uh, is right up butted up against um, his wife saying how mad he is when he walks down the street in New York, right? Mm-hmm. And so you get the back and forth, um, but you also you get the sense, yeah, he just was a weird, really weird dude, um, super weird. <laughs> Um, and fucked up by his family, but not necessarily in a way that, you know, like he wasn't sexually abused or anything like that, or, you know, children of alcoholics. What it was is, like, his aunts uh, have this idea that, you know, a gentleman doesn't work, right? <laughs> yet they're living, like, in increasingly terrible circumstances, right? Just worse and worse circumstances. And then there's that line where... Uh, where his aunt had some small medical problem, and then uh, one of the other characters shows up and says, be honest, um, she had a mastectomy. Um, and he says, a gentleman will not, right? And right, like, yeah. Wow, that, that is like the, the... He wants to live the life of a country gentleman, you know, writing for amateurs and... You know, with the with the idea that one rejection means I I can't send him anymore because um, being that rejection is like oh you already made me feel commercial and now I have to do it again oh I can't do that and so there are all these friends of his is like submitting it on his behalf 
can you imagine, like, Marissa, you're a writer, you spend time with editors, uh, writers and editing and all that stuff. Can you imagine trying to do all this extra work for... It, it seems like cr- crazy that he makes it so hard for them <laughs> to read his stuff. But I, I just feel like he must have been, um, as portrayed, just the weirdest, most interesting uh, guy. And because of you know where he came from. Yeah, you said uh, you you mentioned his uh, uh, you know being screwed up by his family. Um, I guess that's that's kind of true. That's where he got all his uh, you know uh, just I don't I wouldn't necessarily call it a pretension, but just the the desire to be uh, the aristocracy, you mm-hmm. know, the upper class. Uh, he was very conscious of of class distinctions that. I don't know. I don't know that they existed in Rhode Island in the, the early twentieth <laughs> uh, century, did they? I mean, were, were well, these all like uh, uh, dreams of a of a class system that uh, that didn't really still exist? Or I think they I did. Mr. Jim Moon, you, you probably know even better than I. Uh, well, I think it was still very ingrained, and um, there was kind of. It was a time of transition, the early 20th century, where modern America was coming into being from what it had formerly still been. And it was still very um, heavily influenced by the English, even though they had the Civil War and got rid of that. You still had a lot of old money families, <laughs> uh, particularly in New England, which is, you know, the oldest settled place in America. And so there was, I think there was still quite a class system in operation. I mean, America is probably a classless society, but when some people have more money than others and they keep that money and pass it down to their kids, you don't stay classless very long. (laughs) 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 And, you know, even now, still New England is full of very old, rich, rich families who, you know, like the marshes, um, (laughs) who have made their money in shipping. And I mean, I think it, it was, it was beginning to change but you know from what i've read of other biographies you know lovecraft's family were very well to do and it was only the fact that as detailed here that some bad investments by his uncle another character is kind of scrubbed out because he didn't was to speak of him um you know the family they still have the status they just don't have the money anymore to back it up <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know the whole um that whole area, New England, but specifically Providence, was full of tons of rich people who made their money in the middle of the 19th century from the then oil industry. What was the oil industry? It wasn't, you know, petroleum. It was whale oil, right? Mm-hmm. They powered the world with, you know, every house in in the world that had any sort of quality to it had oil lamps, and the best oil came from sperm whales and that that those people got super rich right super super rich and a lot of them were still coasting on that even after the petroleum industry get you know sort of takes over everything i'm looking i, I was looking like just at you know the the details there's a garbage can on page 52 we actually see that garbage can twice and the same things in there twice um it's eight o'clock coffee <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <laughs> And I was thinking, wow, well, why is it called 8 o'clock? What is that a reference to? And it's like, I just looked it up. No, there is a brand called 8 o'clock yeah, coffee. Yeah, right? yeah, it's, a, yeah, yeah it's a Northeast yeah. coffee. I remember I never even heard of that it growing before. up. Uh, but it's been around <laughs> since uh, well before um, even Lovecraft was alive. So it's entirely possible I, that was his, his coffee of choice. I think that's, uh, I think that's our coffee. <laughs> 8 a.m. coffee, yeah. I think it's called 8 o'clock, yeah, that we get sent. Oh, really? Once a month. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant like that's the show we're doing right now, but yeah. No, no, I think uh, I'm trying to. I'm like, yeah, that is the one that we get wow. like sent from Amazon. Interesting. Yeah, it's eight o'clock. <clears throat> and, it's uh, really good. It's really good coffee. Yeah, I, I, that's what I was gathering. I mean, it, <laughs> it's um, it, it's surprising the details, but we saw it in that uh, other biography as well. Um, how I mean, it's briefly mentioned, but I, I think it hits a lot harder home here. Um, when I, I tweeted it yesterday, I guess, or maybe the day before, the fact that Lovecraft was offered the editorial ship, editorship of Weird Tales and dismissed it. 
So it wasn't like he went requesting it, right? He just was written by the publisher out of the blue. Would you care to be the editor? It will require you to move to Boston, uh, to Chicago. And he just rejected it out of hand. And then, like, three months later, he's basically having to sell all his stuff to try and keep the money afloat. Keep them afloat. It's crazy. His his life is kind of a disaster caused by by his his you know 19, 18, I don't know 17th century gentleman idea of himself. I think mm-hmm. with the editorship though, didn't Sonia still have her business at that point, and so she was tied to New York, and it's only it's kind true. of after you know, and that's. Well, that's the story of the entire marriage of being rooted in the wrong places to be together. Um, I mean, I think reading this this book in particular, particularly after reading um, uh, the Mountains of Madness volume, it is kind of. I think we really kind of. There's been so many biographies about Lovecraft who took this kind of who oh, he was a weird outsider. He was one of his own characters' view, uh-huh. and yet you know. In the context of the times, you know, the 1920s, it was the Great Depression. <laughs> a lot of people were struggling for a no, great many yet. reasons. No, not yet. Not yet. You know? he, he was, I mean, it was it was 1929, so the crash hadn't quite mm-hmm. happened. Everyone is fully employed, except for him. Mm-hmm. When he's, <laughs> like, one of the jobs he gets is for a debt collection service, and the boss just says, you know, you can't do what you're doing. Yeah, uh, you're not suited for this man. Totally not suited for it. Just because you know, it's like you either you coax him or you you hit him. That's the only option. You can't flower them into existence. You know, flower them into paying, <laughs> threaten or and so yeah. I mean, you can feel the 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 hard times coming. They are a coming. But uh, his wife's business is great for a while, right? And then. She has to move for work, but she's always employed. She has to move to Ohio, right? Uh, but I don't know. How far is Chicago from Ohio? A Probably. few hundred miles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's not good for their... But the thing is, is like just his out, out, outright rejection of... I was thinking, like, what a change. Like, if they had just not gotten married until that one little thing... I don't. You guys don't uh, sit down and read weird tales like nobody does anymore, right? Uh, only me, because <laughs> I I get getting the scans for them, and I'm mm-hmm. so I read through weird tales and I read the editorial uh, the editorial response to the letters. I read through the the kinds of stories that are in there, all the poems, and so I and I, I just got the first two issues of Weird Tales, and it's quite a different magazine than it later was, and I just think how. Like, Farnsworth Wright is not a great writer. He, he's the guy who runs Weird Tales. He's the guy who's rejecting Lovecraft uh, stuff because it's too long or whatever, and then later convinced, you know, a couple months later to buy it anyways. Um, I just think, like, m- maybe it's a good thing he didn't take that job. Maybe he wouldn't become, uh, wouldn't have written so many great stories. Or maybe it's a terrible thing because then he would have, written more stories for the magazine itself and i i can't decide which it would be mm. <laughs> but it's just like it was such a crazy thing that this is the magazine where everyone worships lovecraft in the in the letters that people write in they're constantly asking for more lovecraft that's all they want the, there's a couple other writers they like too it's like universal. Everybody just every letter is like, and and uh, that love nothing has beaten that Lovecraft one three months ago, right? And more more Lovecraft, please. And it's universal. Everybody wants it. And and he's not he's not connecting. But it's also his fans with right just keeps rejecting his stories all the time. Yeah, until he dies, and, it's my, and then it's the magazine fills up. As soon as he dies, the magazine completely fills up with with Lovecraft. Do you think there was something personal against him, or does anyone think, know if there was I like some history there? I mean, yeah. yeah, Farnsworth Wright was a writer for Weird Tales before he became the editor, and his writing sucks. I mean, it's not the worst I've read, but it's it's nowhere. It's not like you know, it's you know, halfway between Clark Ashton Smith and Lovecraft. It is like 
you know, forgettable, eminently forgettable. And it's not that it's, you know, god-awful. It's just compared to Lovecraft, you'd have to be super jealous. I would, I would be, Maybe, or, yeah. <laughs> or, uh, or I'd be like, you know, I'm, I'm not even going to bother competing. So maybe maybe there was that. I mean, it might have been just the genuine how to how to put it in the book, right? Because you want to have a certain number of stories in there. He uh, they do eventually serialize everything, you know, like mm. the big stuff. Um, well, you know, like uh, the case of Charles Dexter Ward gets serialized in two issues, um, and it's not like his stuff could run for six months, right? Like that, like a normal novel would. So it's it's possible that he's not arguing uh, from just jealousy. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I just found it to be... Um, there's so many scenes where he's just sitting alone in a room. You notice that? Yeah. <laughs> and enjoying that. And. Uh. But there's also a lot of scenes... Um, this is the first book about Lovecraft or I've sort of realized how much he loved to travel and journey mm. around and adventure as well. Yes, like yes. he's I, out doing, I never really gone to Quebec three times. Like, yes. Yeah, like oh, real, like, but he doesn't say where Quebec, I mean, Quebec city, Montreal. He yeah, doesn't it's, make exactly it's like Montreal. Clear. Uh, I think, um, I thought it was Montreal. Um, maybe I'm wrong. It doesn't doesn't say exactly. It just says Quebec. Period. It's like we're in Quebec. I like it. I'd like to go see what he saw. Well, it, he's those essays that he talks about writing. That he keeps saying this one was just meant for my friends. It was never for publication. Those are all available now, uh, so you can actually retrace his footsteps and stuff if you like. That'd be fun. It, it, well, well, this October I am going to be in that sort of part of the country. Well, you should do so, it. You, know. you should do it. A yeah. Digital copy available, no doubt. Um, I can help you find it if you need it. But um, I also, it's nice to see it in order. That's this chronological version of his life is way different than that. Um, the newer biography, where like I couldn't tell when things happened in relation to the story. So when he goes to Florida, who's the kid Barlow, the sixteen-year-old? Yep. yep. When he goes to visit Barlow, um, I, I for some reason thought that was much earlier in his life, but no, that was mm. you know he's uh, he's an older guy, and he, that's after his divorce, right? Or no, uh, after his breakup, but not before his divorce or fake divorce. Yeah, one thing I appreciated about this too is that uh, it is. Uh, uh, dense in its uh, presentation of information. There's a lot of stuff there, mm -hmm. but uh, because of the format, I think it's a lot more accessible than it would be in, uh, you know, a, uh, a dry uh, encyclopedia type uh, article or treatise. You know, it's uh, it's presented in a in a you know a, like an entertainment style. So it's it's uh, it's easier to get absorbed with it sometimes rather than a you know a dry intellectual. Uh, series of facts. You know what I'm saying? Dude, I, I, yeah. You're, you're I, I think that's dead right. Explicit. That's why comics are so great, right? Is is that they present you with these words and then you're rewarded with pictures. Especially well, pictures as good as these. Yes. Yeah. You, you can see all the major players in Lovecraft's life and actually, you know, see what these people look like. I mean, I recognize quite a few from... Mm -hmm. You're looking at a lot of Lovecraft photos, and you go, oh, there's Clark Ashton Smith, there's Robert E. Howard, whatever. <laughs> <clears throat> love Mern and Galpin. But what I particularly love as well is um, it's just all the details of the locations as well, and you really get a sense of actually how different Lovecraft's America was to the one of today. Mm -hmm. And I think considering, you know, architecture was one of Lovecraft's, you know, motivating passions. It's really good to have this book that actually brings the travels to life and you know, shows you where he lived. And, you know, you can actually sort of now get a really clear impression of, of what his life was like in a way that you just couldn't on a, a printed page. Yeah, there's one that's um, like on page 74 where it's like a, a Sonia is like in deep pain because they've divorced and she misses him and he, he comes back to visit, but he spends all of his time with his friends. And it's mm -hmm. so cool seeing this like image of her and having this horrible, painful 
episode and he's like learning how to build a fire and plant like helping someone move a cow and he's got like cats sitting on his head and one of the things <laughs> you can just like really see this like what a weird dude he was <laughs> he was a weird dude and i i love how many times that happens in this book is it, it i'd never heard of this lady um long time old time amateur press member edith miniter who had demanded that i do so we spoke many times including several uh spoke about many things including several items of local folklore which then goes into the next story right so mm -hmm. this is why i mean this is why this is such a great book is that it's it shows the connection between yeah. his experience and the stories that we love so much mm -hmm. and and how they they're connected and i mean I I had forgotten. I was looking at the art and I was saying, ah, uh, not my style. And then I realized it is my style. I totally forgot this style of art. When I was a real little kid, my dad um, read comics, um, but they weren't the kind of comics I liked. I liked Superman. I wanted to be Superman, Batman, right? DC Comics. And then eventually, you know, my dad dies and I get into Marvel Comics and I'm X-Men and all that stuff. But before I got into uh, X-Men um, and I'm running out of stuff to read, I start reading my dad's comics because uh, he has a few. But they're not superhero comics. They're underground comics. And they are Fabulous Furry Freak Brothers. You guys know these comics? Uh -huh. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Right? The scratchy, sort of crazy, hairy, um, uh, I don't know, drug-smoking dudes who get into trouble. And it's, it's like... Um, they're wonderful stories and i have no interest in drugs at the time i'm just a little kid but i, I love oh fat freddy's cat <laughs> I was like, yeah. what the heck is this stuff uh i don't remember the name of the the comics imprint but this is not the kind of comic you could get uh on the newsstand right this is i don't know where you like you you go to your drug dealer and you buy some drugs then he slaps you a comic as a bonus i, I don't know how anybody got them you get them in head shops. Head shops, exactly. yeah. Okay, there yeah, you go. Yeah. I mean, in, in my town, we have, well, we hadn't, indeed still have a shop called Guru, which uh, was the only place in town where you could get crystals and incense and tarot cards and uh, alternative clothes and <laughs> rock music posters. <laughs> I mean, now you can get this stuff everywhere, right. but in the 70s and the 80s, it was just, they were the preserve of shops like this, and they had a big rack of uh you know, fabulous fairy freak brother comics and and collected edition what we call graphic novels. I mean, they were doing it, mm. you know, way before the Marvel and DCs of the into, into doing collected bound editions. Mm. Uh, there was Knockabout Press, I think. Um, mm. you know, they were you were completely independent and self published, but they they were the only you know the only place you'd see them. I mean, I don't think you even see them. I went for that said Forbidden Planet or the Time Slip, the big no, comic shops in Newcastle. See them. No. no. Um, so yeah, the, this this um, this artist Jason Ackard, um, he it's it's the same thing happened when I read uh, the um, Jason Thompson Mockman comic. I, I saw the style. And I'm like, oh, black and white, right? Oh, I don't like black and white. <laughs> and I'm looking at the pictures. Oh, this guy has no face. It's just like a round round thing with a couple dots for eyes and a line for the mouth. I, I don't like it. And then I get into it. And I'm like, oh, look at the detail here. And then I, I realized, no, I love this stuff. I mean, I grew up reading Savage Sword of Conan and loving Savage Sword of Conan way more than Conan the Barbarian, which was the color, you know, comic size one. The, the magazine was black and white. The art was better. The story was better. Everything was better about it. And that's the, the same thing. Like, when I open this up, I'm like, oh, damn, it's black and white. But actually, there's so much more to see in black and white in some ways than there is in the color. Here we're not focused on the beauty of the uh, the starscape, you know. We're focused on the line of the mouth and how the womb, not womb, how the room is organized around like dist distancing characters apart. Like, there's a lot of panels where, you know, his he's not happy with his wife, and she's far apart from him in the same panel. Mm -hmm. Or 
they they she moves closer right in the next one because they're you know getting along better and then they're happy together and they're arm in arm and it's like oh yeah you you can you can kind of this is and there's a book called understanding comics that was just re-released and there's a whole way of i guess constructing comics to make these kind of obvious statements that i'm yeah like a visual badly handling yeah the visual language that's it right yeah but uh you know he's got he's there's a whole page dedicated to um page 79 is dedicated to the fungi from yagath cycle and it just has one you know two three four uh little snippets um and you see you know uh in order it's 36 on it and it just picks out three and then um in the pictures you're seeing the different stories in there but just the stacks on high that are you know high places oh those are stacks of books in some sense right mm-hmm. and this l- line right this was never designed for color see the way the line shadows thing it, this was never this is a different kind of thing the complaint that jesse initially has oh it's not color bullshit complaint it's not designed <laughs> for that <laughs> I love that I you love, argued with I your own opinion and shut yourself down. It's a good job. Oh, yeah, totally, right? <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm like, if there's something I don't like, I, unless it's food in my mouth, you know, I can't usually argue that I like it when I don't. Um, if, somebody, if somebody is, you know, doing work for a long time and they're really good, um, and you're you're like shooting them down, then you don't understand it. That's the way I I think about it. And I yeah. and I, I just said, well, what if I'm wrong? And I went with it. And I do love this style. Mm-hmm. In fact, this is this is the kind of um, uh, I just the scratch. I was thinking of how much it reminded me of those scratchy uh, fabulous free Freak Brothers comics. And even the even the font, right? How it goes from script. Uh, in a lot of places where you can see, oh, that's him writing a letter, mm-hmm. right? Versus um, the regular, it's not Comic Sans, but, you know, the regular lettering is closer to type. Mm-hmm. So you get you get a, like a, a whole sense in a way that you can't get when just reading a, a regular biography. Yeah. I get, also I get I the sense comics. that uh, the art in this is, uh, you know, it's totally it's it's a one man job. You know, it's it's not oh, yeah. not as if they uh, uh, one guy draws the the outlines and there's another guy who inks the colors and there's another guy who puts in the text and you know it's it's very every panel is very much the creation of one artist. You know, and uh, and each page is signed too. You notice that? Yep. It it tells the Eckhart and the year that he did it, right? So oh, cool. <laughs> Eckhart fifteen, and then Eckhart oh, uh, sixteen. I did not notice that. It's uh, Eckhart fourteen. This is years of labor. Wow. Oh wow, yeah, you're so right. I did not notice. I mean, I was like you was like we were saying before. There's just so much detail to be found in these images that I missed. I missed some of this stuff. Oh wow! This is this, this, this book is a tre- this book is a treasure of uh, art and information and and yeah. Talk about I'm looking at I'm lo- I'm looking at the fonts again and how like all the people he introduces are done in different ways. Like Robert E. Howard's name is done in this old style, mm-hmm. really really uh, good. And and I was going to say I was going to say before I liked how this. This is framed. It's framed as him basically talking on a stage to people. We start off on the first mm-hmm. page on page one with him saying, oh, I'm going to talk tonight about myself. And never so often we get to see him back on the stage. And then, of course, we go back to that last image on the last page with with the uh, with the uh, with the spotlight of the empty stage. So it's it, it is very much him telling a story and telling and other people telling a story like um Sometimes uh, Sonia will show up on the stage talking and taking point of view. So it's really yeah. They kind of like interrupt him and like give him that other ex- perspective that he's not that's not available to him. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so uh, cool. On page seventy-seven, um, we've got them corresponding across the continent, 
right? So she's she's in the west and he's in the east, and they're reversed in position, right? And then uh, a divorce would cause me great unhappiness. A gentleman does not divorce his wife, and I have no cause. I know of a gentleman who is ill and lives apart from his wife. Neither of us is sick. I do not wish to be at a long-distance wife. <laughs> I do not wish to be a long-distance wife, enjoying the company of a long-distance husband by letter-writing only. Divorce is the only solution. Um, and that their positions are reversed, and he's like trying to be reasonable and gentlemanly, and she's like angry at him because. He's... I, I, I noticed the little Janice head. Oh yeah, like look below. at that. Yeah, as I said, small little details. Yeah. yeah, and the man on the left and the woman on the right looks like. Yep. Which like is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, the the amount of correspondence. I mean, we all, I guess, we knew he was a letter writer, but um, this book isn't just letters. It is also his visits everywhere and people chasing after him <laughs> and him. You know, walking solitarily into uh, into the streets and all the night walks that are mentioned. What a great biography! Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a work of genius too, the way it's set up. In that uh, you were mentioning just uh, before about the, uh, uh, the fact that it's uh, some of it's written, in, if not most of it's written in first person. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's it's him talking. It uh, it's a, it's a cool way to sneak in like. Uh, what his opinions were, what his uh, what his thoughts were, and it also lets you segue into his his letters, you know, and and quotes and things like that. Uh, mm. uh, very seamless. It's absolutely it's fascinating, and just like the amount of t- time spent on certain things and not spent like uh, I'm looking at page sixty, and. Um, he gets home to Providence. He's so happy to be there. He's just alone in his room, right? Yeah. Super happy to be surrounded by he's his like, stuff. Is it where he's like humming? His friends is yeah, like... yeah. <laughs> and then, um, he, you know, finances are not great. His 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 uh, wife's um, you know busy working, and he's 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 not planning on writing any fiction because he's been rejected too many times. And then some, I feel like this is like every time I call. Wayne or uh, Jim, I call him up and I say, "Hey, I need you to record something for me." <laughs> like that, and I say, "Like, listen to this." My spirits were lifted when W. Paul Cook asked me to write a literary history of ho- horror fiction for his planned amateur magazine, The Recluse. What a great name for a magazine for him, right? Yep. I mm. I, devi- I dived in into the reading and research with relish. I would call it supernatural horror in literature. And then the next uh, three or four panels are all him you know, doing all this tons of work for what reason to put into an amateur magazine, right? He just loves the work, right? Yep. This is the, this is a guy desperately, <laughs> desperately, desperately in need of a Patreon, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yes. 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 <laughs> but a gentleman, like, a gentleman wouldn't do that. Just <laughs> <laughs> Wayne, you're no gentleman. I know. I never claimed I was. <laughs> uh, it's true though he w- he totally wouldn't but the, he he needs a patron of the arts right like uh, if you read those I, I know jim you've read a lot of i've sent them to you i think i don't know if you read them independently but the weird tales letters pages are oh yes mm. huge proof that he could have sustained almost anything. And, and the number of times that comes up in here, I've never seen it anywhere else before either, of him almost getting a contract to write a, a collection for a, a major publisher and then it falling through because he's basically the worst salesman ever, right? <laughs> here's, a, here's a stack of stories. None of them are any good. This one isn't as bad as the others. <laughs> oh... So so that, and then he writes to uh, Farnsworth Wright saying, um, uh, "What is the copyright status? Uh, who owns the copyright for this?" And Farnsworth Wright says, "We own everything, right?" Which is bullshit. It mm. it was bullshit. And and a lot of writers had this this problem. They and they st- I mean I I don't know if they still do, but I would see that because I spend all my time looking at copyright details. I would see these sort of with the kind permission of, you know, 
somebody who owns, you know, gave permission. And it's like, why do you need to ask permission from the guy who first published it to publish your own story? It's because there's this sense that maybe sometimes uh, you're doing work for hire when you don't even know you are because you're submitting and then you don't know what their editorial policies are. You didn't yeah. read the contract, yeah. Well, no, there is no contract, right? unless it's unless it's specifically stated and set up that way. My understanding is yeah. that, uh, for example, any given issue of Weird Tales magazine uh, was at one time anyway under contract. However, I mean under uh, copyright. However, the individual stories therein were not. So, I mean, if you were to produce a uh, in another form, say audio form. An entire issue, uh, issue number 39 of Weird Tales, and call mm -hmm. it that, uh, there would have been a time, perhaps, I don't think it's any longer, but there would have been a time when that um, collection, that issue, was under copyright. However, the individual stories uh, are not, because that's the nature of a, uh, 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 a magazine like that, is that it's a collection of articles, a collection of stories. So it's the collection that was under copyright, if I understand it correctly, not the individual you story. Do. So. You do. You understand it precisely right. There, the thing is, is this sort of persists in, in in comics, right? So the creator-owned comics, which is uh, sort of all the independents like um, Dark Horse and... Actually, I'm not even sure about Dark Horse, but uh, the Image, that's the most famous one, I guess. All Image comics are owned by the creator. Alterna Comics, which is a, uh, you know... A new one that's very cheap, as in low price comics, but really good comics. Um, they're all creator owned. So you are the artist, you're the uh, scripter. Those are the guys who own the comics. Right. That when the, the publisher gets the right to print them. But if you work for Marvel, you know, you're Steve Ditko or you're John Buscema or whatever, and you're writing, or Roy Thomas, you don't get anything. Once you published. Once you get paid for it, it's work for hire. It, right. You know, th these things exist. But Lovecraft wasn't doing work for hire. But his uh, his editor didn't want to, you know, make competition. And, oh, like just so many times his life could have gone a lot better. Yep. And it doesn't because he's not willing to press the matter. Not no, once to, again, that's the, you know, a gentleman doesn't press the matter. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, would exactly. assume that, I would assume that was his attitude, right? Yeah, but yeah, he's he's also wrong. Like gentlemen were not all that much gentlemen. That's what they had barristers and solicitors for, right? To go after people, and he he's acting like a uh, a country lord, but doesn't have the the resources to <laughs> to fuck with people. Yeah, like to back it up, lord yeah. would, right? I get the sense from uh, reading about him too that he had a lot of exasperation in his life and and didn't uh, uh, didn't necessarily think it worth his time to you know things should be a certain way it should be this way and it's not so to hell with it you know and and that's where yeah. he left it uh, I don't know if that's an accurate interpretation but yeah one of the one of the th I was thinking like had he actually not had his mom get him de-enlisted from the army right. What would World War One have taught him had he survived? Um, wouldn't it have to have disabused him of a lot of this stuff? Because you know, when it has these theories of honor, and then there's a machine gun cutting down all your buddies. Yeah. <laughs> there's artillery making you know mush out of out of the guy who's sitting right next to you, and and gas. None of this is honorable. You know, knights in shining armor doing honorable duels right yeah i don't think he ever did he ever i don't think he ever broached that that subject of you know uh, whether or not there's a just war and all that kind of business he did he i don't think that ever appeared in mm -hmm. his work did it he he was subject to the propaganda i think um and and particularly subject to his own propaganda right his own ideas of stuff i seem to recall wow. the on the first world war he thought he said in a letter in letters that he thought it was a terrible shame that two uh, fine Anglo-Saxon nations such as England and Germany should be fighting <laughs> among themselves. <laughs> but you know he he was you know he he liked all things European and all things English, and to him it was kind of 
it, it, it was people of the same mindset with the same a similar national character, you know, duking it out over this. To what I'm granting to a lot of Americans seemed this pointless war that no one quite understood how it had started. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I've seen the First World War at a, a degree level, and to be honest, I'm still not entirely clear on how it all kicked off because it's just <laughs> so much is kind of below the radar. It isn't like I've invaded this country. I, you know, we will defend you. It was all to do with these. You know, decades old alliances between noble families and colonial properties and who carved up what bit of the world where and who said what to whose aunt. And it was kind of the assassination was just almost incidental to this huge kickoff that was it'd been brewing for years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, massive, massive amounts of pride mm. is what caused it. And that's, you know, that's something that Lovecraft had, too. Right. This this self-destructive pride. Um, speaking of World War One, on page 45, there's a brilliant full page. Uh, uh, another thing you never see in biographies is talking about the people who influenced people, right? It's always, you know, he did this, he went there, he talked to that guy. Um, here is a full page, you know, out of a, how many pages in this book? It's a hundred and something, 118. A full page just for Arthur Macon, Machen. Yeah. Um, and... I love it. It's got a little bit of text, but more importantly, it has one, two, three, four, five, at least images of stories that are never described. But I, I oh, I say, oh, I know that one. That's the that's the one I did a show on, right? That's the um, uh, the arrow with the archer story. What's that one, Mr. Jim Moon? We did a show on this. Oh God. Um. Uh, with the yes. bowman. It's the bowman. That's what it's called. Yes. Yes. Mm. Um, and then, oh, I did a show on this. <laughs> um, and we, and we did, did another. Out of the Earth. Uh, yes, which is yes, the that's right. Urban. Yes. Um, right, and is uh, one of these could be out of the Earth too. It's uh, I'm not, I'm not those guys to the left of Macon's head. <laughs> uh, could very well be the guy. Uh, the, could very well, but it it totally makes you want to read it, right? Yeah. yeah, like, what is that? Tell me more about like, that. What's yeah. that dude melting? And why, why does he look so unhappy? <laughs> yeah, the writers of this, like, obviously just love weird fiction and the whole genre and everything surrounding Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. I love all the writers and people that turn up in here. And what's that little and, uh, what's that little bit of Latin down at the bottom of the page there? At the abolish incarnatus est, et homo factus est. Mm-hmm. Uh, the devil. My Latin's not very good. The devil incarnate is 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 uh human in, is is humanity and truth. Wow, ooh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. And on the opposite page, we've got him walking down the street as a country gentleman, right? Um, <laughs> uh, enjoying the uh, most beautiful sight he's ever seen, the New England uh, small towns, and then. Uh, beside that, the first issue of Weird Tales with the exact cover that's on there. This is like the attention to detail that you never get in sort of commercial works, right? This is a commercial work in a certain sense, right? But it was not done to try and make uh, uh, billions of dollars because they picked the wrong subject for that. Um, it's done because they love it. Yeah, I mean, you the can fact feel it. You can yeah, and it, it, it's it's really inspiring, right? Like people see that kind of work, and they and they do want they they want to honor it. They want to sort of keep it in the same tradition. I find it to be um, in the best tradition of that. Mm-hmm. Just the attention to details is fabulous. You know, I looked up uh, <clears throat> the. Um the author and the illustrator of this, I wasn't, <clears throat> excuse me. Sam Gafford and Yeah, I wasn't, uh, wasn't really familiar with the names. They kind of rang a bell, but mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> turns out Sam Gafford is the uh, the guy who invented and put together the uh, Necronomicon con- convention in Rhode Island. Oh, cool. Oh. Yeah. He um, uh, evidently was responsible for that. Um Wow. And plus, he's got—I uh, don't know—over a dozen uh, 
weird tales type collections of his own. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, in writing, some of the titles are really cool. Let me see, I wrote some of them down. Um, a Journal of uh, William Hope Hodgson, Hodgson mm -hmm. Studies. He's got three volumes on him. Uh, Karnacki, The New Adventures, New Adventures of the uh, hero that uh, Hodgson created, the uh, supernatural detective Karnacki. Mm -hmm. um, he's got a, let me see what else. He's got an anthology of mummy horror, <laughs> which looks really great. He's got a, uh, yeah. he's got a, um, a Sherlock Holmes thing uh, called Whitechapel, where he puts uh, Arthur Mackin, the uh, author we were just talking about, puts him in the story with uh, Jack the Ripper. Perfect. Uh, uh, I, that, that'd be worth reading, actually, yeah. considering whole, how they're yeah connected. A whole bunch of stuff uh, on there. I think, I think this is a recent one. Saucy robot stories, in <laughs> 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 which he contributes to. Uh, there's uh, like six stories of uh, uh, quote the world's first fully functional robot running amok in the halcyon days of the early forties. <laughs> And uh, it, awesome. the cover looks like Pulp Fiction from the 1930s. You'd love it, Jesse. You'll, you got, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it now. It looks great. Saucy it's like uh, Helen O'Loy, but uh, with a dude. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he, he's prolific and also knows what the heck he's doing. He uh, uh, is kind of a he's, a, he's a Lovecraft expert in, in, a, in his own right. So that's interesting. And the, uh, the artist who... Uh, I'm a big fan of now after seeing this. Uh, Eckhart, he's uh, done covers for Necronomicon Press, Hippocampus, and all of today's weird tale type of uh, publications. Um, all right. That's cool that they're both super into it. Yeah. He did work fe uh, featured in the annotated H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, he's, got a, uh, he's got a Tumblr site with all his art on it that you, you ought to check out. I'll see if I can get, get his uh, get his URL to you. Yeah. I I had uh, Sam Gafford on for a podcast on The Derelict by William Hope Hodgson, and he was super knowledgeable. I I got into Hodgson, you know, since starting this website, so it wasn't like I was born with it. And Lovecraft um, has a mention of uh, Hodgson and getting the books from a uh, a collector who wrote to him and wow it's like um it is it is awesome the way people you know they 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 like what you're reading they say oh have you read this and you say oh no i haven't and then you get into it and like wow and then you spread it to your friends it's it's almost like a, a communicable disease the dad had <laughs> 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 um really i mean it's uh it's is it any wonder he's such a weird guy that he says, you know, uh, they're they're off for a walk and his uh, his wife to be um, says you should write a story about this location and he says no you write it and then he helps her a little bit with it and then she kisses him and he says I haven't been kissed by a woman not even my mother or aunts since I was a very small child. I did not think I would ever be kissed again. Like, this is... A, that's why that magazine, The Recluse, is like... He, he calls himself a recluse, right? Mm -hmm. And that he got that reputation as a guy who doesn't uh, come out of the house. And there were times in his life where he didn't. But then, uh, when he, he marries his wife, they're living in New York. She's working all day. What's he doing? He's, he's sleeping so he can go party all night, right? With his buddies the KLM club or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's, um, it's a full life, a full, very short life. Yeah. Did, is that where he was also, there was like one panel that I thought was hilarious where he was working the night shift at a movie theater. And I was thinking like, yes. how cool if you had your ticket taken by ticket taker, yeah. like <laughs> in the middle of the night. Now, now, now see there, there, there's a time traveler's dream. I mean, we don't have to bother him in his regular life. You could just go see a movie when he's a ticket taker. Like, it's just not like, yeah. tell him like, I like, I met Lovecraft. Now I love I that go. it's the night shift as well. No, of course. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, just on, on the cover, I, I 
I assume this is what it means. So the theater's name is really yeah. <laughs> and then it says H.P. Lovecraft. In. And then, is that the word in? That's in, yeah. Yeah. Okay. In some notes on a non-entity. So. Right, and there's a scarecrow around that. So this is, um, uh, it's mentioned in the um, book itself uh, that there was a 900-word biography that he wrote that was never published in one of those amateur magazines that it's like a, hey, can you record something for my podcast? And then the podcast never actually, you know, gets a website or anything. <laughs> it's like that sort of, uh, I, I really, I make the connection between amateur magazines and blogs and podcasts and YouTube channels and all that stuff because it, it is the same stuff. It's independent, doesn't care about mo- making money usually. Yeah, it's done for the love of it. It's done for the love of it, and it's just a whole bunch of people around, in, in that case, the country, in this case, the world, collaborating for the love of the of the stuff. Uh, speaking um, of which, that uh, I don't know, I don't know all that much about it. The uh, Necronomicon convention. That sounds to me like uh, oh, a, a, a perfect thing for exactly soon, what think. you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Have you ever been um, there? Or any any of them? I've never I've never been there, but I've 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 read all the stuff about what goes on there, and it sounds like there's a lot of uh, it, you know I've only been to one major science fiction one major science fiction convention, and it, what's weird about it is there's a whole bunch of people who read books in the room, which when you walk down the street, you know, almost nobody reads a book, and <laughs> and you you can feel it somehow, you can feel it, and then you recognize people say. Holy shit! That's Kim Stanley Robinson coming up the escalator. <laughs> going, Wait, that guy nodding beside me, you know, totally asleep. That's Larry Niven. Right? <laughs> so uh, I get the sense that um, that uh, it's like that. So yeah, they, that's you, uh, uh, the next one is coming up in like three weeks. I, I might actually. Uh, you should might, go. Oh, I, I should, it's only uh, like an hour and a half from me, so I you know. totally oh, cool. go. Totally yeah. go. Yeah. And, and and bring a camera and take some pictures and. I think uh, they would. I think they would be delighted for you to show up, Wayne. It's like Wayne yeah. June, darkest dungeon, Wayne June. Yeah. You totally. You'll be uh, on the panels next year. Yeah, well, I'm definitely not going then. <laughs> <laughs> well, go, in go in disguise. Go in disguise. Yeah, I, but. Uh, he you just know. realized he has to get out of bed and. Oh, I know. oh yeah, there's that getting out of bed thing. Plus, uh, eye contact is, is like the start of a lot of trouble, so I, I, I generally don't talk to people. <laughs> You'll have to go in disguise. Yeah, just, just wear disguise and some uh, some dark shades. Wear and... one of those Venetian masks, like uh, HP Lovecraft. Oh, style. that'll work. Yeah, that that like would doctor. That wouldn't attract attention at all. <laughs> no, well, but, probably not. There, there is no a no eye contact. You know, yeah, and there's like a uh, we call that. Co- cosplay. Mm-hmm. Oh, say, yeah. I'm cosplaying as Wayne June, and then they'll just leave you alone because. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Say, good costume. Good costume. Well, I, I think we came pretty close to covering this book. What do you think? Yeah. Some notes on a non-entity: Sam Gafford and Jason Eckhart. Go get it. Yeah. It's I co signed. I I, I, I hope there's stock uh, stock left. Did you have trouble getting it, Mr. Jim Moon? No, not at all. I mean, um, oh, good. Straight direct from PS Publishing. Um, yeah, Amazon was still waiting publisher. for copies when I ordered mine, but uh, PS still, still had them, so I got some got it direct from them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, mine, I don't know. Did you, uh, I don't think Jim Moon got a signature, but I think mine got a Sam Gafford signature inside. Yeah, mine too. Thank you for organizing that. Eldritchy or something like that. Is that what it says? Best Eldritch wishes. Oh, you got a different one. Mine just says Eldritchy. <laughs> ah, cool. That's nice that you get different ones. That's better. <laughs> yeah. Did you get one, Paul? Uh-oh. Paul's lost dead. Paul. It says Best Lovecraftian Wishes. Oh, everybody go. gets something different. I, I thought I, I wasn't sure if that was you or something who had that. No, shit. no. See, that's that, attention no, that's to detail as well. These guys so, are awesome. So it's signed by the author. Wow. That's yeah. Cool. Thank you for sending this, Jesse, and happy well, happy yeah. house. Thank you. I, I'm not a big. I'm not. I don't. I, when I realized the amount of work it would be involved to get signatures, I started not actively not getting signatures because 
in books because it's just like oh this is it's a lot of standing around waiting and so I, I, I he said yeah, I can get you to I can get them signed I said I don't care <laughs> I just want the books <laughs> but uh, uh, I think he um, he signed them anyways because it, it was uh, in his hand and he had a pen that's cool but uh, yeah I, I'm really glad I I've heard about this because I don't know how I must have been just looking for more Lovecraft comics and. I just bought it. But it's weird because I've talked to him. I know him a little bit. Um, and I didn't even know about this project. There's so much going on on the internet. It's hard to hard to know about stuff like this. It's a this. big this place. Is, yeah, right? <laughs> totally big place. Bigger, th- bigger, bigger than you can imagine. And Lovecraft's imagination was bigger than even readers of his work can imagine. Just going through this book. I mean, like, like, my, my, like, like I didn't realize he traveled so much to go back to the south and... I, I love. There's two pages with there's two pages with hand drawn maps. There's one of a uh, mm. the Providence, Rhode Island area, and then there's one of his travels up in New England where he goes up into New Hampshire and the White Mountains. It's like, damn, it's got it all. Yeah, and there's one that says southward and a big bus. Yes. Uh, driving southward to Florida, I guess. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. I don't see Mr. Jim Moon online, but uh, we'll give him a minute. It's afternoon for him. Well, he's got no excuse then. Uh, He's always got, like, some uh, appointment. It's right in the middle of his day, right? (laughs) <laughs> it's like Father's Day or something like that. I don't know. It's, it's not, always Father's Day. No, he's, got, he's, <laughs> he's got responsibilities, you know. <laughs> Jesse, have you ever considered whether he might be lying to you if every time you ask him <laughs> to do something, he says it's Father's Day? <laughs> <laughs> well, considering uh, my dad's dead and I haven't celebrated Father's Day since he died like 30 years ago, um, I have no idea when that is. So it could be very true. It could be. We'll give him uh, a couple of minutes and then um, get started. I uh, I um, think we should just do some business before. Uh, um, business. 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 Um, how how's your campaign going, Wayne? I saw just that one tweet. My campaign. Your campaign to uh, figure out how much um, interest there is in a. Um, in uh, Wayne June Patreon. Um, well, I, t- I seem to have gotten uh, a, a fair number of uh, responses. It was just a matter of throwing it up in the air and, and seeing who looked at it. So There's def- um, uh, definitely uh, a good amount of traffic for basically a static YouTube site, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, uh, it's a little too early to develop a wait-and-see attitude. but. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it could be in my future plans. I'm definitely well, I think, taking, I think you just I'm have taking to go the for idea it. seriously. Yeah, no, I think you have to go for it um, for a couple of reasons. One is um, think of every month you don't do it. That's money you're not getting. Okay, yeah. this is the argument I should be using for me as well, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going <laughs> to use it for you. Um, uh, in addition, you have way more uh, interest in your stuff than is interest in my stuff. So there's that, right? Um, but uh, just, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. It, it, it absolutely is true. Look how many followers you got on Twitter. Uh, there's no Reddit threads dedicated to Jesse. There is Reddit <laughs> threads dedicated to Wayne. Um, you have. Um, you it's, have. It's, it's, it's going to entail a lot of work and responsibility, and those are two words that I hate. Absolutely so. will entail a lot of work, but it will be work recording the kind of stuff you want to record. Yeah, um, that's, uh, and it's that's all long tail work too, right? So it's not like you put it out and it's gone forever. Um, and I have so many stories to give you that are nice and short that I'll spice up your stuff, right? I was just thinking how um, we really have to uh, uh, get you to do, if you do this, um, your version of uh, Upon the Dull Earth by Philip K. Dick. Yeah, I actually have a, a PDF of that that I think I got from you. Yeah, so. it's so good. That story is so good. It's it's. I, I want to say it's Lovecraftian, but it isn't. But it's a hell of a lot like Morella. Yeah. Right. It's about a lady who dies and comes back to life. 
and um, there, there's so many little little things that are super satisfying. You don't that you know in between uh, working on giant projects like I don't know at the Mountains of Madness, which I think you already did, but you could redo. All right. Um, yep. um, I I think you it wouldn't even be that. I mean I know it's a lot of work, but it wouldn't be that much work. Um, now. What you really need to do, I think, I'm telling you all this advice here, is, is just basically <laughs> um, put put a uh, a thing at the. You need to record a really good, you know, tale saying. Um, uh, and if you want to support my work, go to my Patreon. And that's yes. basically it. You can start putting out content immediately because you have so much back catalog. It's it's my it's 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 my. Love of humanity and my compassion for my fellow man that's preventing me from really getting into this because I, I hate to uh, make anyone expect anything from me. <laughs> it's yeah. basically uh, getting out of bed is a, is a, that's a point for me. You just got to get a know. microphone to the bed. That's true, <laughs> yeah. huh? I got one yeah, of these. Like, like ever see one of the, the, ever see the ads for those uh, uh, desks and work surfaces yeah. now where. You can make it so you can stand up <laughs> in bed. <laughs> yeah, so I got to get one that works the opposite way, so that I can go to my desk and then lay down and yeah, still have still have access to everything I need. <laughs> there, there are there is a like a a really you need cool a disc hammock. You know, there's a desk um, thing that like it slides, it, it stays at the end of the uh, queen size bed, right? And then uh, I guess you'd have to get somebody to do this for you. They just push this. Uh, I I don't know. It's a, like a shelf towards you. And then it has, it's like a desk, so that it has everything. You don't have to get out of bed, except you'd have to put a coffee machine or something on it to wake you now, up. Now, yeah, now I'm imagining Wayne June in like this big old house with like one of those um, stairway elevator, you know? Yeah, where he's just <laughs> yeah. like sitting I'm, there. I'm, the- <laughs> I'm, that, I'm that little old guy going up and down the stairs on the, yeah. on the chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Recording things, refusing to get up. okay i'm gonna look on twitter and see if i i got a message from mr jim and if not i'll tweet him right now